Goal setter are you? Well, welcome to today's episode, part two of my interview with the Scott Monroe, as he and I open up about our different styles of pursuing goals. I bet you can guess which one's the ultra planner and which one's the big picture thinker. We'll also get Scott's perspective as a longtime 31 executive on how to honor your unique approach to achieving success while drawing on the strengths of those around you. And he'll give critical advice on the kind of people to surround yourself with and share his biggest leadership takeaways. Hint, there's a lot we can learn from jazz music. So join us for my conversation with Scott Monroe and get ready to be inspired on how to simplify life and spread joy. As a 31 consultant or leader, you're a successful entrepreneur who touches lives in meaningful ways, but you've also got a lot on your plate. With all that you do, you deserve a few minutes each week to fill your cup. Welcome to the CER Podcast, named after 31's mission to celebrate, encourage, and reward. This podcast is exclusively for you, our 31 potential leaders and leaders. Consider this your weekly power-up, packed with quick, high-impact takeaways, specific steps to boost your business, simplify your life, and spread joy. It's my privilege to be your host and biggest cheerleader, Cindy Monroe. So you talked about earlier, sometimes leadership feels like a lot of pressure or it's it's hard or maybe challenging. Any thoughts on looking at an opportunity that looks challenging and like, pulling back because I think that sometimes people are like oh I don't know that I want to be in leadership right well I think um, leadership people talk about this all the time they say it's lonely at the top well I think if you think of leadership as being at the top it's always going to be lonely Mm -hmm. I think if you think of leadership as being in the trenches and setting that example then it's not a lonely place Uh, again it's something I did wrong for too many years is I would see a problem and address it and because of my impatience Maybe because of my own talent and skill and I knew I could fix it all, I just took it and ran with it. And I'd take it over to my corner. I do this now as a creative. I like to really know kind of where we're going. You see this a lot in me. And I like to go take my part and go off and work on it on my own and then bring it back. I don't like, I don't like to, I I love working with people, but I like to work with people on the front, you know, the brainstorming stage. And I like to go be creative on my own. And then I like to bring a finished product back. Well, I did that in leadership far too many times where if we faced a challenge, I would just say, let me have it. Let me have it. And you see this a lot. We do it with our kids. Kids do it with each other. If you watch a couple of siblings and there's like an older sister and a, and a younger sister or an older brother and a younger sister, whatever, and they're getting frustrated because the six-year-old can't figure out how to tie the shoes, mm-hmm. you can see that, let me have it. Let me, ha- let me take it. Well, that's not leadership. Mm-hmm. That's not leadership at all. That's just that's control, and that's taking things over. And I did that for far too long. And I think the, if you face a challenge as a leader, the best thing you can be is among the people you lead. And you go back; it goes back to that listening, paying attention, situational awareness, and saying, "Hey, guys, we got a problem to solve. Let's all talk about it." Now, you can easily get bogged down listening for too long and letting too much 
uh, um, opinion enter the room or le- letting things get too out of hand. It's so easy in those meetings when you want to call your team together to listen to everybody's opinion and say, well, maybe we should hold on. Maybe we should wait. Maybe when Sometimes you can't do that. you got to move on. But I'll, I think there's a balance right there in the middle where as a leader, you step in, you understand what the people around you, you understand their input, and then you make a decision to take the best of that and, and help push it forward. Uh, we used to say in church world that an elephant was a horse that was designed by a committee. You can overcomplicate it by getting too many voices, giving too many voices, too much say in the final outcome. But I can I'll also tell you that uh, if you're trying to design a horse and you try to design it on your own, you are going to get a tiny little donkey. It's not going to work. It's going to crash. So there has to be a balance between leading from within and then taking that and, and pulling it forward and, and keeping things moving as a leader. Yeah. So let's talk about goals. You and I approach opportunities and goals a little differently, and I'm sure that we have some of our listeners that are not perpetually forward-looking or might not have even thought about setting goals to earn a trip or even specific income. So maybe share how you approach goals in life and maybe how you nurture those seasons of growth. Yeah, um you're right. We're very different. Um, I'm kind of big picture, directional goal minded. Um, in other words, I like to see a, I like to see a, a future full of wide open opportunities, um, but I don't get very specific in my goal setting. And that's actually a downfall sometimes because then I never really achieve them. I think it's a typical creative thing is you can see a painting and you can get started, but if you don't set a deadline, you know, you've always said people who've worked with me know I work way better when the deadline is tomorrow than I do when the deadline is six months from now. Because I just, there's too much, My I'm too distracted by all the beautiful things in front of me now. And I and I have a big picture idea of how things should go, but to get me honed in, focused on, and being specifically goal-centered uh, goal is very, very difficult for me. Uh, I'm more of a desert wanderer in that in that sense and not not the one who has this laser focus on setting goals. But I will tell you, if you don't have something to look forward to and something down the road, especially if you are like me, if you're uh, an emotional, emotion-driven person, if you're an aesthetic-driven person, if you're at all creative and you're not meticulously oriented around setting a certain date or a certain thing out there, a certain goal, you can get in the place where boredom kicks in and um, you can get depressed, you can get bogged down, you can feel like you're never going anywhere. And honestly, for me, it's happened before. I get discouraged that there is no direction and that there is no, you know, what's my purpose kind of thing. Because because you, if you lose sight of moving forward, then it's just too easy to get stuck kind of in this hole of nothingness. So, uh, I mean, I think it's important to set goals it is difficult for me to set specific goals. But what about you? You, you, you're really, really good. Like, even I mean, this is a silly thing, but even about family vacation, you're good about setting us down and saying, okay, where do we want to go next year? Let's get some dates on the calendar. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's, I don't know. We should try to go to Europe. But I never get those specific things down until you kind of help set the vision for. Okay, we'll. Here's the date opportunities we have. Here's the places we talked about going. Let's get some specifics around it. So I don't know. Well, I think that, I mean, you have allowed me to step in and help with some of those. And I think that you've gained a little bit of respect and trust that, yes, we actually 
get to the vacation or we get to these moments in life because we kind of partner on those. And then once we get there, I may not have every detail because I know I've got to leave some space for you to want to be creative. So even for some of our sales consultants, maybe finding that accountability partner or that pacing partner Mm. that is kind of goal driven and then, you know, leaving space for you to be creative in the moment, but um, really, you know, having someone that can push you and kind of be the yin to your yang, I mean, is, I think, how you and I have learned to be successful together. Because in the moment, like, I've had to learn the respect of allowing you to add something last minute, and it's okay that it wasn't on the Excel spreadsheet or on the calendar. Right. Well, I think, too, if you set kind of a specific path out there um, with with flexibility built around it, you need a skeleton to work around. You know, you need a framework to work around, but it, it actually gives you more opportunity to, to enjoy the spontaneity along the way and that freedom, uh, like you talked about. I, I think you have to have, you've got to have goals. You think about any trip you go on, you got to know where you're going. But you know what? If you plan it right and leave some white space, and white space is important in leadership, um, I, I think you can get there. And you mentioned something else, though, as you talked about pacing partners. And I'll go back to leadership can be lonely. Leadership should never be lonely because we're incomplete. What a, I see a lot of leaders do. I've seen them do it in business. I saw them do it in church. I see people do it in marriage and in friendships is they surround themselves with people who are just like them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we can make as a human being. If you double your personality, there's going to be conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not going to work very well. It's the, the old adage, it opposite the track, hasn't been around for hundreds of years because it's not true. It's around because it, there's truth in it. Is As you and I are an exact polar opposites. We like a lot of the same things. We, we love to do things together, but we don't approach them from the same direction at all. And I think that's why we complement each other. If you are building a team and you bring up, or if, you are, if you're a 31 consultant and you've got a pacing partner who is just like you, then you're really just still just doubly incomplete. You need somebody that's different, somebody that holds you accountable in a different way, somebody that thinks different than you. And I think all leaders need that. We need people who will challenge us. I'm a horrible historian, but I think it was Lincoln that had the gang of enemies or gang of foes or whatever. He basically took people who did not think like him and put them in a room, and they helped solve a lot of the problems of the country by not agreeing. And I see it in our politics now. We want to be one side or the other completely. Mm -hmm. And I won't vote with you because I'm this, and I won't vote with you because I'm that. And it's what's killing us. We we need to be in the room together with people who don't think and act like we do and and figure out how to work things out together. And again, that's how you find the middle ground. And I promise the middle of the road is the safest place to be when you're on a journey, not living on the shoulders or out on the edge where you can fall off a cliff or into a ditch. The middle is where we all should be living our lives. And the best leaders do that. They gather people from all sides and they bring them to the middle. Yeah. I don't think any of us want a team that is exactly like we are. And sometimes we think that that would make it easier because we know how to get them motivated or help help them. But, um, yeah, you're right. It definitely is um, better balanced if you can find people that bring things to the table that you're not bringing to the table. Okay, so I've got two other areas, and I know that we're getting a little long here, but I wanted to talk to you and see if you would open up a little bit on – um, you know, as you look back over the last 20 years with 31, what would say 
are some of your biggest learning curves? I think one of them I talked about earlier is just learning how to listen as a leader. Um, That was a big learning curve. Being in business has been a big learning curve for me. And honestly, it's still a big learning curve for me. I'm just not naturally attuned to kind of the corporate structure and corporate world. I I will tell you, um, I don't, I didn't think I naturally like to play in uh, inside of systems. I've always said I don't like protocol. I don't like a system. I'm a creative. I don't like to be confined by all these parameters. Uh, but I will say business has helped me understand that those things are, are, are so critically important. In art, they say form follows function. But form is just as important as function, which means the, the prettiness, the, the, the aesthetics of the art are are not as important as the structure, the, the materials you use to create it. But you can't just build it, build something with materials. It has to have that form too. And I would say the same thing in business. You know, business can only be free and nimble if it's got some sort of good structure or some kind of system in place. So I think learning to put a system in place. And the funniest thing about it is, is we used to talk about this at the corporate office. Um, you did a little talk on this, I think. Um, I was a jazz musician. Well, people think jazz is just free and flowing and all made up, and it's not. Jazz is so improvisational, but can only be improvisational if you have a core system. There's this chord progression everyone follows in a jazz song. If you're what if you're Miles Davis, if you're Charlie Parker, if you're just name any jazz artist, and your people are jamming around that and they're making up, improvising their solos and all that, they can't do those solos without the system being in place. Now, jazz music, I I like that kind of flexibility is different than classical music where it seems like the system is very strict. The system is kind of always the same. Both are beautiful and both are wonderful, but at 31, we've always kind of had this model where we, we, we had to learn to put systems in place, but we never wanted to let the system be the end all. We want to let the system be the thing that ran in the background so that we could have a nimble business that responded and listened to our consultants and followed them and helped them and accentuated their their own personal businesses. And I think if I learned anything is I, I had to learn how to play within a system and understand that that system was important. You can't just go in without a system. I might be able to on my own, but that's, a, again, a lonely place just doing it on my own. So what about, you've had this front row seat, what about the company's biggest learning curves? Yeah, I, th- I think we've had to learn, you know, well, early on we had to, we were learning, we were drinking from a fire hose early on, and it's it's actually remarkable to me, you know, our, our steepest trajectory um, as a business and, and our I think our fastest success happened when we didn't really have anything in place. We were we were having to learn and put things in place totally in response to the enthusiasm around the business. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to me. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I think along the years, um, call it, I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago, the last 10 years of the business, we have tried as a company, I think with product, we've done it some, I think we've done it some with our systems. We've kind of gotten a lot more sophisticated. And it's interesting to me that in that sophistication, we haven't seen that that steep 
enthusiasm among the consumer as we saw back in the day. Now, a lot of that was because it was new. A lot of that was because it was a great new opportunity where people were in their lives. But I also think, too, a brand, and uh, you've seen Apple do this. You've seen great brands like Disney do this. You can get so over-sophisticated and so systematized that sometimes you're not nimble, like I talked about a minute ago. You're not able to really respond to and meet the consumer. Sorry, or your, I didn't. Sorry, Siri, Siri didn't agree with me. Uh, you, you don't get to meet that consumer where they are and respond to where they are because maybe this machine is too rigid. It's too, the system's too strong and too inflexible, or maybe it's too sophisticated. Maybe your customer is not as sophisticated as you think they are but man we can totally sophisticate everything we do we can make our products we we don't we, we still have a very very approachable product but it would be very easy for us to convert to this very very uh, if i could say bougie product line and totally leave our customer behind it'd be totally um possible for us to get such a great system i, I know one of the things that people talk about now when they go to disney is is the system is so good on the phones that you feel like your face is buried in the phone the whole time you're there. And I know some of our listeners are probably experienced this. You've got to make your reservation for this. You've got to be on time for this. And you're constantly looking at your phone. When back in the day, we used to go to Disney and just walk around wide-eyed and look at all the beautiful uh, architecture. And we'd hop in line on a ride and we weren't worried about being, you know, being there at a certain time and missing our our, our, our pastime and all of that. And I think sometimes we can become slaves to systems and we become slaves to, um, to sophistication. And I think that's wrong. And I think I've seen us go through all of those phases. And, I, and it's nice to really feel like we're kind of, you know, you keep talking about how we how simplifying. And I think that's part of what we um, needed as a business. I think it's part of what our consumer needs. It's part of what our consultants needs. Well, and even you were talking earlier about that white space, and we've got to create that space for the fun and for the excitement and the emotions around it and not feel like we have everything ticked and tied and so in control that we don't have the space for the emotion. And I feel like that the emotion and the excitement is definitely what has driven success at 31. And even for our consultants, their success in their business. So as you look ahead, what would you say um, is our biggest opportunity and what do you see for 31? I don't, people talk a lot about how well everything's changed and and I know people aren't doing as many home parties and things like that. And a lot of things have changed, but I think at the core, and I had this conversation with somebody else in direct selling not too long ago, at the core, what we do hasn't really changed and people haven't really changed. I mean, the superficial stuff changes hairstyles change, you know, politics change, all of this stuff changes. But at the core, humanity is still humanity. People still have the same kind of feelings they've always had. People still have basic needs that need to be met. They still need to clothe their children. They need to put food on the table. They still, from a consumer side, they want products that are functional, that are actually useful, but they also want products that they're, they like carrying because people compliment them. Uh, you know, you, nobody feels better than when somebody says, hey, I like that shirt you've got on. Or, hey, those are great shoes with that outfit. Or, hey, where'd you get that bag? That is the cutest bag I've ever seen. I don't think any of that's changed. 
the mode by which we deliver that to people may have changed slightly. And we may have social media either helping or getting in the way. I don't always know what it is from day to day. Um, But I think to the core, what we do is still the same. I think we have an opportunity to get ourselves focused on those things that don't change with culture, that don't change with time, that don't change with socioeconomic status of, of people. And we get, we get to that place where this is just a really simple thing. If you need a little extra money, this is a great opportunity to sell great product that people will love and people will buy because it's accessible and it's useful. Uh, and, and then you can take that opportunity and make something of it. And if you want to pursue it further, you want to pursue it bigger, then you can you can socialize with people. I think it's Jason Dorsey. Um, he's an expert on kind of the generations, and he talks about how th- this generation now still wants to get together. They're getting together. They're just not going to people's homes. And COVID changed that for a lot. Uh, culture has changed that for a lot. But people still want to get together. So how do you find ways to gather people? And it may be on Facebook, but I think there's other ways we can get in front of people and let them see this great product and let them see how easy it is to show people that product and sell some of it. And uh, I'm hopeful for the future of the industry, but I know everyone in the industry is trying to figure this out. What does it look like going forward? And I think a lot of it is we, some of the ways we've done it specifically have changed or gone away, and we've forgotten that at the core it's still the same thing, that people are still people, people still need opportunity, people still want product, and how do we focus on that and then listen to what... Uh, the world around us is saying and how they want that delivered. So true. So there's so many things that you're known for on chatting about anything we haven't touched on. I mean, I know you're huge on relationships and you're huge on, you know, just, um, I don't know, so many different words of wisdom. Anything we've left out or you wanted to share no, I, I mean, I think if I've learned anything, particularly in the last year of my life, is, is um, you know, I, in the Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul um, had been incarcerated and um, for, you know, for, quote, crimes that they thought he had, religious crimes he had committed. Uh, and he said, I, have, I know what it is to, to be rich. I know I've been rich. I know what it is. I know what it is to have nothing. He said to, that's abased and abound is what it says in the original text. But... Um, or in the King James, but I know what it is to have everything and have nothing, but I've learned at whatever state I'm in to be content. And I had to learn that, that, you know, for me, you know, I, 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 um, not having a nine to five job to go to every day or not having a specific event to a plant to plan for, prepare for, or not having some of these specific things that you have in your adult life in place in my life didn't mean that I wasn't going anywhere. And it didn't mean that I, and I had to learn to show up in today and show up for the people today and had to learn how to create community where I am, wherever that is. We, we, we've been a lot of places. We go a lot of places. We're around a lot of people. Not having an office to go to has been weird for us for a few years and not having community like that. But I had to learn to just be content. It's a lot easier said than done. But when I learned that I, I could take the pressure off and, and, and Tom, my counselor, said this. I love it. He said, I suspect God doesn't really care where you live or what job you do so much. Hmm. I think what he cares about is who you are, where you are. And I've had to learn to be the best version of me wherever I am, wherever my feet are, and be present there and not worry about, again, not worry about how big of an impact I was making on people, but, but was, I, was I available? 
And I think when I, you know, when I leave this earth one day, I would rather people say this about me, that he was available uh, than anything else. He was there when I needed him. Well, thanks, babe. Um, you've been there for me when I've needed you. And I just love that you've shared your thoughts on impact with everyone today. And thanks for making the time for so many people and things that really do matter. Thank you. Well, that wraps up today's episode. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on a single episode. And make sure to take a quick second to leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening to the CER Podcast, where you can come each week to soak up inspiration and discover ways to make your journey as a leader even more fulfilling. I'm so grateful we're all on this 31 journey together, helping others simplify life and spread joy. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week.